Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode 109 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we find ourselves in, and it's certainly changing at the moment. A quick request, if you like our show, would you subscribe to the channel you're either watching or listening on? It helps us get our guests more exposure, and that's what we like to do. As always, we have a lineup of interesting guests from you, all sorts of things, and today is no exception, but it's not my job to introduce our guests. I first must welcome our co-host, Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter, and the sun is now shining, so I love it. So thank you for the intro. And uh, thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have a special guest with us. Her name is Sharon Rosenblum. Sharon, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. Thank you, both of you. I'm great. Thank you. And excited to be here to share well, what's great. happened to me and my journey yes. in life so absolutely well we're so excited Thank to you. have you you are the author of a book entitled widowed with kids you are a bereavement yes. grief and loss specialist so sharon can you tell can you share with our audience a little bit about your background and how you came to dedicate your life to this whole topic of loss yes um well i now feel my soul's purpose in life is to help people that are in that darkest, most painful place in life. As I unfortunately lost my husband 18 years ago when I was 39 and I had two young children at the time. My daughter was seven and my son was five. My son actually has complex special needs. He has autism, dyspraxia, ADHD, learning difficulties, speech impairments and global delay. So even before losing my husband, life was very challenging with him alone. And unfortunately, my husband died, he was 41. And I was 39, which I think I just said he had, he had cancer of the pancreas. Um, and he had it 14 years previous. So even before I knew him, he had it and people that usually have cancer of the pancreas make one year, two years, five sort of maximum, but 10 is like hardly unheard of. And he went 14 years, he was I suppose he was lucky, I was lucky, because if it wasn't for that, we would never have met. Um, and I stayed hidden. My, I suppressed my grief for so long. For 16, 17 years, I and I hid it. I basically walked around with a mask in front of my face. So if I'd see people and they say, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. But I felt broken inside. And how I got to the other side... Do you want to know that now or do you want me to tell you about that after? Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. Um, keep going. Yeah. So I, I think probably four years after I lost my husband, um, there was an advert in my local paper, which was looking, for, it was a charity looking for people to do bereavement therapy. And a good friend of mine is a, was a counsellor. And she said to me, Sharon, why don't you apply for this? I said, I can't do that. She said, of course you can did it and they gave like a very small training and I went saw my first client and I got so much from that and I thought this is something I can do and I did training I did I've now got an advanced diploma in counseling psychotherapy hypnotherapy and also I do life coaching as well wow. and I've forgotten what I was get where I was going with this now and um 
yeah, so I, then I started doing a lot of personal development. What was the question? Sorry, Kathleen, just ask me that's, again. That's okay. Where was I going with this? I do go off on a tangent sometimes. That's so. all right. Now, you were telling us how, how you came to terms with it after 17 years. You know, you hid it for yes. a long time, and you were telling us how you, you broke right. through. That's right. Thank you. Um, so I'd done a lot of personal development. I was seeing somebody, and... I wasn't in a good place and I was just scrolling through Facebook one day and this thing came up, um, a lady called Anna Garcia, who is a relationship intensive coach. And I went on that and I started to, I've, my personal development has grown since being on that. Mm. And when I started with her, I was misfearful. I lived my life in fear. Mm. I was scared of my own shadow. I wouldn't do anything on my own. And, and I decided I wanted to be misfearless. And there were six of us that were going to, I, I don't like heights. And I don't know if you guys in Canada watch, see, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here from the jungle. But anyway, um, they go to Australia. It's a long, long story short, but they do a skydive into the jungle. And that used to make me feel physically sick. And I don't like heights, but I thought I'm going to do a skydive to, to stop being misfearful, to be misfearful, stop being afraid and be misfearless. Long story short, I couldn't, when I was 26, I had a brain tumor. And when you've had any brain surgery, I couldn't do it. And I was gutted, absolutely gutted. And I wanted to get that excited feeling back. And I was scrolling through Facebook one day. And my friend actually, who, how I got onto your show, Amanda, who you interviewed a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. She'd written a book. And she said, does anyone want to be put in touch with my publisher? I don't know why I clicked on the link. And I said, go on, Amanda, put me in touch with her. And when I was at school, I got two U's and an E in English. So I've always said, I can't write a book. <laughs> when I've told people my story before, they've often said to me, you should write a book. And I said, I can't write a book. Well, I have written a book, as you can see. And well I've written done. it purely from my heart and to help those that are in that darkest place. Wow. Very good. Wow. What a story. That is amazing. Sharon, yeah, I more, but... <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you something which I think might help people who suddenly find themselves in the position you're in. And when we were talking earlier, I mentioned to you that my own mother was widowed at uh, 56 very, very suddenly. Mm -hmm. And I know what she told me and, how, and she'd been seriously injured and told she'd never walk again at, at just a couple of months before. So, But in your case, when you had an inkling that your husband was going to die because he'd been sick for a while but it must still have been a huge shock when that day came. What goes through your mind and, and what could other people in facing similar circumstances expect to be the first things that go through their mind when it actually happens, when you suddenly wake up and say, wow, I'm now a widow? Yeah. Um, I've often thought during the last year going through COVID, how on earth would I have coped now in COVID, losing a loved one, because you're totally on your own. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate. I say fortunate, but I always had a lot of family and friends supporting me and was always here with me. But now I, I don't know how I would have coped if I was so alone. Um, the first stage people tend to go through is just total shock. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I just didn't want to be here anymore. And my husband was diabetic because he had his pancreas removed I had a fridge full of insulin and um, insulin and syringes I actually wanted to give myself a dose I just didn't want to be here anymore yeah. and thank god I had children 
otherwise we probably wouldn't be having this conversation now. Right. So shock is just the hardest, well, grief is the hardest thing mm -hmm. anyone ever goes through. Just, um, I, I would imagine children help in that you have now a real purpose to, to live for, correct? Yes, if I didn't have the children, I wouldn't be here now, I'm sure. Right, right, I only right. got out of bed in the mornings to take them to school. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, Sharon, when someone is faced with um, sudden loss and heart-wrenching grief, can you tell our audience what the first step was, in, perhaps in your case, in helping them? How do they cope with this? What's the first step they must do? Or is there a step? In, in helping them cope? There's no step. Everybody is unique and everybody grieves in a different way. So there's no set way that you go. It's not like a linear line. It's really like a very dark spiral. And I, as I said, I got trapped in that spiral. Um, for me, pers I, would, I personally now would not say to people, because like, I have told friends in the past, if I've had any anxieties, antidepressants are a good help. And I was put on antidepressants six months before my husband died. He was a pharmacist and I was crying all the time and it was bringing him down. He said to me, go to the doctor and get put on antidepressants, which I did do. And I used to put him for a peak prescription every three months and they never, ever saw me. I just got their prescription. Eight years later, I was still on the tablets. Now I used them as a crutch to help me with my son I didn't need to be on them that long. That was, that was just crazy. And I don't want to frighten anybody that's watching this, but the only place I ever felt anything was my ankle. And eight years, nine years ago now, I got diagnosed with a malignant melanoma on my ankle. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I think I suppressed so much and because I didn't feel it internally because the antidepressants really just sort of numb you. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced that's why I got, had the skin cancer. Thank God mm -hmm. it was on my ankle, not the back of my leg or my back. Because again, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys now if, if it was something like wow. that. So. so in that case, Sharon, if there is no prescribed steps in helping someone cope, is, is it maybe the best, the best way to help them journey through it is, is just to have them talk about it? Because oftentimes yes. I hear that, you know, when someone passes or dies, let's just say dies, yeah. nobody talks about it they, because they don't want to upset the person. So they don't even mention their name. And oftentimes, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but in my personal experience, I, you want to talk about them. Yeah. It keeps their memory alive. But what are your thoughts on that? It's one thing that I've actually written in the book, in my book, it's so important to always say their name. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I, my husband's name was Simon. And I'm always, when I talk to people, I would always say, Simon did this, Simon did that, Simon, you know, etc. So it's very important to say their name. And also um, to talk about them all the time. And also, I don't say, I wouldn't say you don't need to, don't go to the doctor and things, but I would actually recommend now to see a homeopath rather than a GP like the GP if you say you can't sleep they give you sleeping tablets mm -hmm. or you know whereas a homeopath deals with you as a whole person yes and your appointments are for like an hour to an hour and a half and they help treat you 
holistically rather than yeah. with conventional medicines. But it is so, so important to talk. Yeah. I think talking therapy is the best therapy. When I took my daughter to school, people used to cross the road rather than speak to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Or I was, yeah, I was shopping in the supermarket. People saw me coming. They'd go up another aisle. And that hurt because all I wanted was someone just to, all right, I know you can't do it now because of COVID, but just wanted someone to give me a hug sure. or say, I'm here for you if you want me or take the kids out for a bit or cook dinner. Um, and isn't, that another, isn't that another statement of how people are around others who are going through grief because they just don't know what yeah. to say? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, right? it's their, their discomfort, not yours. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I even... I even had people say to me, like, I know how you feel. I lost my mum last year or my dad or I lost my my dog or someone even said to me, you're lucky. At least your mortgage has been paid off. (laughs) That's a bit harsh. They call that luck. Yes, (laughs) I know. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, Kathleen, you wanted to ask something. Ask Sharon. No, it's your turn, Peter. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I've thrown um, And uh, well, I think you've covered it, but your your suggestion was aggravated because you, you had a, a son that had a whole lot of special needs as well. So you had to yeah. deal with that too on your own now suddenly. Wow. And I still have, I mean, especially now have. in COVID, 24-7, yeah. he's, he's here with me. And it's, yeah. COVID is harder than, well. Of course, of course. Story, but. Wow. So I wanted to ask you, you, you talk on your website about finding the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you've sort of touched on that already a little bit, but how, what, what switched the bulb on in that light at the end of the tunnel, if you like, use that analogy. I suppose for me, the biggest thing has been, most, a lot of people, when they're going through grief, they turn to certain addictions. It could be drinking, could be al- alcohol, which is drinking alcohol, caffeine, smoking, sugar mine was sugar and shopping and i fed every emotion with food and sugar i actually put on just over five stone after losing my husband so five stone in in uh, our terms is uh, 70 pounds right so it's about 30 kilos 26 28 kilos something like that wow that's yeah yeah um because every but then even i then lost probably lost about four stone sorry i don't know what it is in kilos but and um, over the uh, gradually, I have put, put some more on. But I've, every emotion I ever felt, I fed. Mm. I didn't want to cook for the kids. I'd just stick something in the microwave. And again, I did the same thing with shopping. I used to shop as well. And I didn't buy just, I'm not talking about food and essentials. I'm clothes, handbags, shoes. And I didn't buy one. I'd buy every color. And it was just crazy. And that was because I got the releases the dopamine in your brain to make you feel better sure i gave up my sugar it's a year next month and oh my god oh my god oh my god i feel like a completely new person that has been the biggest thing for me giving up my sugar addiction and also my shopping um congratulations in a peace in a joy and in a happiness i now feel for giving up the shopping addiction uh, sugar addiction very good well you're you're preaching to the converted with us too because we 
we've given up all sorts of, I mean, Kathleen's been eating healthy for longer than I have, but I had my own health scare and gave up dairy and, uh, and sugar. I've never been a great drinker. So, yeah. Yeah. Com uh, I occasionally have a little bit in coffee, but otherwise tea, I used to have two or three spoons, every cup of tea and being British born, you will know that I drink a lot of tea. So <laughs> <laughs> given all that up. Um, um, Kathleen, your turn. Sure. So, so tell us, Tell our audience a little bit more about your book and what they can expect in your book. My book. Um, Which is, the by book, the way, right behind you. <laughs> right yes, I can't hold it up because it will get lost in the screen, but it's called <laughs> Widowed with Kids and it's available on Amazon. Good. And basically it tells my story in the beginning, how I lost my husband. And then I talk about the stages of grief. Um, there are many, well, a lot of people, a lot of psychiatrists have said there's five or seven. I personally think there was 12. But I talk about in the beginning the main stages of grief and how different ways that people go through them, um, how you deal with children or how I dealt with children, and how I would advise to deal with children, facing challenges alone, survival tips, and... Also, as I've got on my website, I'm doing an interview with a homeopath and also a wonderful lady called June who does a vision board. But it's not a vision board how I would have imagined a vision board. It's just absolutely incredible. She gets you to do things on your vision board and they do, they do manifest and come true. Yes. So, again, that's all spoken about in the book. And, yeah, it's just to help people through this journey. Excellent. Sharon, now that you talked about your children... I'm just curious, at the time that you lost your husband and it sent your life in a tailspin, shall we say, how, how did this impact your children and how, because children are very perceptive, they, they, they know, you know, when mom or dad are not feeling right or they just know if something is wrong, how did they cope? Mm. I'll talk about how Oliver coped, my son Oliver first. Well, there was, my husband was in a hospice and then he did come home for a little while. Three times we had to have him call an ambulance to have him taken to hospital. Mm -hmm. So my son saw three times him taken away by ambulance and he was at the time probably four and a half. Mm -hmm. So that must have been horrific for him to see. Mm -hmm. And because of his special needs, his psychotherapist said to me, he probably won't grieve for three years. Now his speech is very limited and he always used to say, when's daddy ding dong? That would mean like, when's daddy coming home? And every day for three years, he said to me, when's daddy coming ding dong? Which was really, really difficult because my mother-in-law said to me as well, she lost, unfortunately lost her husband when she was 49. She's now 88. But she said to me, don't ever cry in front of the children. Well, I personally don't agree with that. I think it's better if you show your, show your emotions in mm -hmm. front of the children, which we did do. Um, and then it was about three years' time, Oliver. Then I, I then got him an appointment with a play therapist because he was beginning to understand a little bit that Daddy had died, but he didn't really know what that word meant. And my mother-in-law actually had told him that Daddy was in heaven and we did go away. It was a couple of years afterwards. And of course, we were going through the plane, going through the clouds. And Oliver's looking out the window. And I remember saying to him, what are you looking at? He said, he's looking for daddy. Oh. So when you tell, because especially with autism, mm. 
they black and white you know very, very whatever you say that it's mm-hmm. yeah um so it was very very challenging with him um but play therapy is an, is incredible for children um and literally we had to go through everything again and they were like playing with toys and dolls and put them in a little matchbox and then bury them in the sand pit i then had to take him to the uh, fun- uh, to the cemetery to show him where his daddy was mm-hmm. so it was challenging with him um with my daughter i'm jewish and in the jewish religion women don't go to a funeral if both if their parents are still alive well both my parents were still alive so officially i shouldn't have even gone to his funeral mm-hmm. girls also aren't meant to go to a funeral when they're under the age of 13 and my daughter was seven so officially she shouldn't have gone either Obviously, we both went. I, well, I gave her the option. I said, do you want to go or do you want to go to a friend? And she chose to go. But the older generation were like looking at me, well, well why, why, is Soph- why is Sophie here? And she's too young. But um, I did lose my faith as well afterwards. But um, right. yeah, very, very challenging. But she did have therapy. And how old is afterwards. she today, Sharon? How old is she today? She's now... 26 and when she do you ever discuss the grieving process with her today and what she what her experience was at that time yeah I she still finds it very difficult I mean everybody gets upset on certain days there's always certain dates Mm -hmm. or songs and different things but Mm -hmm. she still does struggle with it and I do feel she probably needs some more therapy um but we do talk about it we I've always have done and loads of photos and videos and yeah and Oliver my son also likes to talk about it but I would always talk about it with them and I cry in front of them too if I need to I'm going to jump in with something that I hadn't thought of until you mentioned it you mentioned you lost your faith a little Mm. bit I don't care which of the major faiths one belongs to would you say that the decline in religious observance, doesn't matter whether you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whatever, over the last 50 years, certainly in my lifetime, probably you've seen it in your lifetime, has that decline made it easier or or worse for people to deal with grief? Again, some people find it, they find it easier and other people lose their faith. I mean, for me personally, before my husband died, because we weren't religious and We'd never really met, we'd never met the rabbi actually from our synagogue and he just wanted to meet him before he died. He obviously knew it didn't have long. And I remember Mm -hmm. phoning the synagogue, leaving a message on their answering machine saying that my husband was terminally ill. Please, can you call us back? He'd like to just see you. I think my husband died. It was a week later, but but he returned my call three weeks later. Uh, uh, So I I kind of thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I've heard from I thought, but. <laughs> I've heard from some people that over and above the spiritual side of religious faith, the community side had been a great help in their grieving process. So, yeah. uh, which one can get outside of religion, of course, as well in a tight knit community. But the tight knit communities have also been a casualty of the way things are have gone over the last fifty years or so. So, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. 
What about right now? You mentioned people struggling with the virus because of the coronavirus problems and the lockdowns and all that. Any special advice for people in positions where they're losing someone right now? There are many groups, actually, on Facebook. I mean, I'm only, I only use Facebook. I don't use the other social medias, but there's lots of groups that are on social media. It'd be worth mm -hmm. joining one of the groups because sure. it's just somebody to let your story out to or to find somebody that you can actually speak to, so see a, a therapist. Because like I said to Kathleen, it's, it's talking therapy is the best therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, well, I learned the hard way by suppressing my emotions. For sure. Mm. Uh, can you tell us about yeah. the courses you offer? Um, I do. <coughs> I've got some video courses, which, are, which will be on my website, which is almost finished. Hopefully in a week's time, it will be finished. So please wait a, just a week before you sign up for it. And it's only £49. So it's, I don't know what that is in but it's 49 pounds in English money and there's six weeks program offering different just showing different things that you can do like through the grieving process um, dealing with children um, homeopathy vision board and I also offer one-to-one -one support as well which I could actually and that's funny because I only used to like seeing clients face to face but now I could see people the other side of the world yes, virtually like we're doing now Excellent. so yep. In one way, this virtual world is good for certain things. And certainly with doing therapy, it's uh, quite amazing. So, Well, Peter, we're almost out of time. That's right. We need to ask Sharon about her website. Uh, you, said, you mentioned it. What, what's the actual link? www? Yeah, widowedwithkids.co.uk. Dot go dot uk. No, and that's great. Do, we'll put that on the way on the video. Thank you. Do people reach you through? And there's also a Facebook. Oh yeah, Facebook. Sorry, say that. Facebook. It's ah. Hang on. Can I just check what it's called? <laughs> sure. Sure. One minute. It's oh, hang on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I shouldn't have said the Facebook, should I? I can get it. Don't worry. I can go. Widowed with kids. Su Widowed with kids support community. Support community. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And that, that's um, that a Facebook page. Yes. Or group. Yes. Group probably. Okay, we'll we'll look that up and we'll put that link on the video as well. Sorry, Kathleen, I interrupted you. Uh, that's all right. And it looks like people can also reach you through email at Sharon. Sharon at. Yes. Widowed with Sharon kids. at Widowed with Kids. Kids. Okay. Uh, widowed okay. with Kids. Co. Uk. The same. Yes. Co. Uk. Okay. We'll put all that certainly. Well, thanks very much for me, Sharon. That was uh, good, you. and I think that will be very helpful to a lot of our audience who are faced with situations similar <clears throat> to yours. And uh, certainly, thank you for the good work you're doing. Back to yes. Kathleen. Absolutely. You're thank very you welcome for everything that you're doing, Sharon. It says so needed right now oh it's always been needed mm -hmm. but, uh, we appreciate yes. it and thank you all so very much for tuning thank into you. our show again and um if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show please don't hesitate to reach out to either peter or myself 
And by the way, we love reading your comments. So please keep them coming. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.